how do you go about making your voice sound like someone else's? And why would you? I'll be chatting to a bunch of people who can answer those questions and many more as they reveal the dark arts of impressionists. I'm Simon Lipson, and this is Making an Impression. I'm absolutely thrilled today to welcome all the way from New York actress, comedian, singer, impressionist, all-round genius. It's Christina <laughs> Bianco. My, <laughs> thank you so much for that ridiculously lovely introduction. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's, it's all true. I speak the truth. You're, you're also, incidentally, you're my first female impressionist on the show. There, there are many to come later, but you're my first. And also, you're, you're the first American impressionist on the show. And I know you've actually worked in in Britain quite a lot, haven't you? You've done the um, Edinburgh Festival. We'll get we'll get to that. Kind of a nightmare for most most British comedians. <laughs> let's, um, Not let's, the easiest thing. We'll talk about. <laughs> well, we will definitely get to that. Yeah. Let's kind of start with with you, where you grew up, what kind of childhood you had, and whether you know were you the eager to please young girl trying to impress everybody with your singing and your vocal skills or were you the shy retiring rose who exploded only on stage i'd like to say that it's a a cross between the two i grew up uh, about 40 minutes outside of uh, manhattan in rockland county new york and uh the way my parents tell the story is i was always singing i was singing before i could form full sentences just humming along the songs phonetically they knew very early on that i had an ear I could match pitch. I had a vibrato. You know, they said, my, my kid can sing. So yeah. very early, they s- put me into classes, um, you know, singing, dance, acting, but also lots of children's theater. So I got my start on stage or, or, or outside. Uh, what was the first thing I did? It was a ch- children's traveling theater in the summer and all the schoolyards, you know, outside, you know, doing performances on grass. But that's how I started. But when it came to impressions, my mom and dad told me that I they would hear me singing along to whatever was playing on the radio or whatever I was watching on TV, movies like, you know, The Sound of Music and Mary Poppins and The Wizard of Oz, personal favorite, of course. And that they would sometimes hear me sing along, taking on the tone and the style of the particular artist that was singing. They heard me doing this at a very young age. They're like, what? What is Christina doing with her voice? And so I apparently did this for years, but I didn't know I was doing it. I didn't take ownership and run in the room and be like, hey, Ma, here's my Judy Garland. Like, I never had awareness of it. I just had a natural ear and it was like a natural mimic. I do remember making friends laugh and making family laugh coming home from school and saying like, well, today Miss Daly said, because so-and-so is sick, we all have to do this and then we all have to. And I just thought it was so funny the way she said, because. And so I kept repeating (laughs) that. Yeah. My mom, I remember my mom saying to me, like, honey, don't, don't do that in front of, you know, Miss Daly because that might be offensive, that impression. And I didn't, even then, didn't think that I was doing an impression. I, I guess I just thought everybody launched into the voice that we were talking about. How, how interesting. So you kind of just instinctively absorbing voices yeah. and reproducing them in your own yeah. way. And I loved, and I loved playing characters. Like I, I loved going on stage and pretending to be somebody else. I loved singing. If there was an outlet to perform, then I was absolutely keen to get up and do it but even to this day i'm not that person like if we're at a restaurant or something and there happens to be a microphone and a piano or someone's like why don't you get up and do something absolutely not i shut down i there has to be the platform for it yeah for me to feel comfortable doing it so and i always think that maybe i'd be a little more a little more rich and famous if i had a little more of that gutsy drive in me but uh alas it's quite interesting that because I think attitude and kind of your natural ability to, I guess, network, to promote yourself, push yourself is half the battle. Talent is the other yeah. half. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it is. I, mean, I, I, I was guilty you know, when I was a stand up for many, many years. I would tend to go and do my show and go home. And while all the other guys and girls were, you know, mingling, talking, networking, and yeah, yeah, I, I never, I never did that. I've taught um, myself to be to be good at that. Um, yeah, and so I'm, I, I, and I think it's also because I had opportunities. Even when how much of my life story we're getting into, but I started doing, you know, professional theater at a pretty young age. And um, my first job out of college was, it's funny, looking back on it, I got the job because I could do an impression, but didn't know it at the time, uh, that my first job out of college was the national tour of Dora the Explorer Live, which is, of course, a children's show where, you know, I was Dora the Explorer, dressed as me, dressed as a human, with all these crazy people in foam costumes, you know, being Benny the Bull and like, you know, six feet tall. It's hysterical. 
And it, it sounds like this little funny little children's show, how important could it be? But it was run by Clear Channel Viacom and Nickelodeon. So we played Radio City Musical. We performed on the Today Show. They gave wow. me so much media training. And actually, I had double majored in journalism <laughs> at NYU. So it was it was interesting for me to go right out of school and get this training in um, how to give an interview, how to give the sound bites, what to say, what to do, how to sort of network and make the most of things. So, and then I was always at the big parties with all the big events and all the executives from Clear Channel and Viacom and Nickelodeon and everybody else could sit in the corner and have fun. But I, of course, knew I had to walk up and say, hi, I'm Christina. I'm starring in your show. You're paying me a yeah. lot of money. And so I, I learned very quickly to, to be comfortable doing that. And boy, oh boy, no matter what uh, voice you're using, <laughs> that's so important these days. Yeah, well, absolutely. Did you have a sense... You mentioned you you did a journalism degree as, an, as opposed to performing arts. Oh, I did degree. both. No, I, I oh, double did both? Majored, Yeah. Okay. Performing so, arts and journalism. So was it clear to you from a quite a, a young age that performing was where you were going to go, or was oh, it something? Yeah. That, yeah. Oh no, I was I was determined. I only got the journalism degree because NYU was just so expensive and crazy. I thought, well, I might as well get more. <laughs> out of it. But I had no intention of only being a a journalist or a writer of any kind. I knew it might help me and be creative and and writing and all that. And I enjoyed it, which is what the real reason I I double majored in it and spent so much time on it. But ever since I was little, all I wanted to do was perform. And um, thank, like, thankfully, like I said, my family never, you know, had a lot of money or a lot of connections or anything, but they were so supportive. And we had, we had access to great education for me, whether it was just going to see theater in New York, which is was expensive, but not as expensive as it is now. You could see many more shows more easily, Broadway shows, concerts, cabarets. And I think it helped me so much in looking back, it's so uh, informed the rest of my career, having a well-rounded musical education, because right. I was always comfortable singing jazz, pop, Broadway, rock, even country. My parents loved country music. Yes, really? two Italians from the Bronx can oh, enjoy music. Yeah. <laughs> um, unusual, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you know, the, my father worked in radio, so there were always so many different genres around the house. I mean, I was singing along to Celine Dion's albums in French before she even had one out in English. I would listen to uh, all my favorites people. I remember one time in school, it was like first or second grade. They were like, well, come in as your favorite singer. Like, come in dressed up as your favorite singer. And everybody at the time was like Debbie Gibson or Whitney Houston. And I came in as Bonnie Wright, someone who I can never impersonate because her voice is too raspy, which is a great tragedy to me because I love her to death and I'd love to to be her if I could. But that was the sort of thing I used to do. And like, who are your favorites? Nancy Wilson. Well, it's the jazz singer, Nancy Wilson, but also Nancy Wilson of heart. Like I I had these, <laughs> these, these references that the other kids didn't have. Yeah. And then, you know, find that with my love of crazy, you know, musical theater and the great divas like Judy Garland and Shirley Bassey and all that. So yeah, I was well, always quite, quite an odd kid. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's interesting that uh, you have this sort of smorgasbord of talents, right? So you're, you're a singer. Uh, you can impersonate people. You're an actress. Uh, musical theatre, which is a kind of another limb of yeah, all it of is. Those yeah, things. yeah, yeah. Did you see yourself as one or other of those, or somebody? Because you do all of those things now. Did you see yourself becoming an impressionist, or no, becoming? You know, what was your what was sure. your preference? Well, I can tell you upfront. The last thing I saw myself as was an impressionist or doing any form of impressions. I didn't know you could make a career doing that. The only uh, impressionist I really knew, and I'll finish my own thought and then go back to this later, but the only impressionists I really knew of were stand-up comedians. And I always say, I always tell everybody, my shows include comedy, that I happen to, you know, make people laugh and put funny scenarios together, but I am not a comedian. I'm not a stand-up comic, and I will very happily say that to people. Do you not think that you, you've got funny bones? You know, do you not feel like you're a funny person? Or do you that think I do, you're... No, I do. thank you for that. I, mean, I do, actually. I mean, my, yeah. I, I always make people laugh and I love doing it. And But I, the, the way that I do my quote-unquote comedy, yeah, I, I play lots of sets in comedy clubs. Yeah. People, they book me, they hire me to come in. And I get up there and I always say, okay, it's going to be a little different for you now. You know, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Because if you don't sort of warn them, you're going to launch into musical impressions. It's a little different. But because yeah. I don't write impression comedy patter because I don't typically do that I would be very uncomfortable just walking on a stage following a stand-up comedian or something like that but I'm backtracking sorry I'm an Italian chiacchieresa a chatterbox I will go back and forth but I will always find my way back to what I was originally talking about um (laughs) but I remember it's always been a, a 
it has always been labeled, I'll say, as a problem for me that I love to do different things. Because even within just under the umbrella, let's say, of just musical theater, if you can sing Colaboratora Soprano and you can also belt and riff, you know, then if you're auditioning for a show like Wicked, then they'll be like, okay, well, she's a Glinda and she's an Alphaba. And because you conceivably play both, you probably will get neither. And that's the way it works. They do like you to sort of fit in a box. Mm. Almost always. Well, are you are you an ingenue? Are you the sidekick? Are you the belter? Are you the soprano? Are you contemporary or are you classical? So it, it, because I could do a lot, it's not seen immediately as an asset because you, there are so there's so much competition. There are so many people that just want you to to check that box for them. And if you make them think too hard, yeah, well, this <laughs> it's is- frustrating. Versatility, I think, gives you a lot of longevity in your career and a lot of options in your career, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. But combine my versatility with the fact that I am four foot eleven, which is unfortunately deemed absolutely too short to exist. And uh, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times in my life I have, like, you know, been not been given an opportunity, had an opportunity taken away from me just because of my height. And uh, there's, there's also that. I mean, the height thing is one thing, but the the other thing is that there's that there's this kind of dismissiveness, I think, for the you know, the jack of all trades. Exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. I I was always fighting that, but my my parents were always still were so supportive and said, you know, honey, you sing country music really well and you like to write and listen to it. So do that and do this. And so I, at some point, and particularly when I was meeting with agents and managers, they're all like, you, you're, you're stretching yourself too thin. You have to find a focus. And, and I was always reluctant to choose one thing because I felt like I was shooting myself in the foot. I remember all my friends were, you know, auditioning for theater and waiting for the right audition like you have to wait and I was like well I'm not gonna wait so I ended up singing with like jazz trios I did demos for people I did voiceover work um non-union stuff actually has always been more (laughs) readily accessible than when I became a union voiceover artist but I was doing so many things and even back then I didn't know that I I would never call myself an impressionist and didn't take it seriously but I did know that I was good at taking direction and good at changing my voice and so well, that so, was something that I found was an asset. So I was always working, even when I wasn't cast in theater. So let's take that then, because you, you you talk about that ability to, you know, almost chameleon-like ability, which you've, uh, you know, used to, to your great advantage as an impressionist. And obviously we're, we're talking about impressions or focusing on impressions uh, on the show. What was your, you mentioned Judy Garland, you mentioned Celine Dion, and, and I've, I've seen your Celine Dion <laughs> impression uh, on te- but you, you do a great spoken impression of her Thank as well. Thank you so much. You know, I think it is quite important to have a well-rounded impression. <laughs> um, Celine is particularly funny because uh, she often puts the incorrect emphasis on the wrong syllable, which gives you so much to work with, you know. That's, and the voice. That's Celine. The voice as well. I mean, I, I don't know how, how you feel about belting out a bit of Celine Dion, but her singing voice doesn't sound like it can emanate from the same throat as her spoken voice. See, to me, it does only so because I, I'm doing yeah. it, but, but it's, yeah. it's very forward. It's very forward. Like some people say, oh, I don't like her. She's too nasal or whatever. Yeah. Um, no, um, this is something that people ask me all the time, like, who's your favorite celebrity to impersonate? It is difficult to choose, but I do end up saying Celine Dion because I, I think she's a one, a very well-rounded impression. She gives me so much to work with. She has the funny physicality, the facial expressions, the speaking voice is interesting yeah. as well as the singing voice. But the thing for me is that her voice is not that dissimilar to my own. In vocal timbre, the speed of her vibrato is not that dissimilar to my own. So because I can do her a little more easily, I can play so much more. I can have, yes. I can relax with it and have more fun with it. And I can focus on the nuance as opposed to just the placement. Everything's a little more forward. I don't really think of it as nasal, but it is in the front of my mask. I mean, mm-hmm. it, is, it is definitely in the mask. When I do the speaking impression, I, I keep my jaw in the back uh, a little bit tight because it's all about the quick quick words and the way that the um the tongue the tongue does not go too far behind the teeth i keep everything really sort of small in the front and even though when she sings it's a huge big voice again it's oh it's forward in my nose it's kind of forward so there to there to singing hey the talking is not very different it is it's very okay, I guess well, it's forward 
That's interesting because I hear it differently, but obviously you, you do the voices. So <laughs> well, that's you, good. I'm, it's good. It's, it, I, then, then it works. <laughs> well, I, I bow to your more intimate understanding of that voice. Um, you mentioned Julie Andrews as one of the voices you did uh, as a young girl. And it's, this is quite interesting because I've seen you a little bit of film with you on a show with Paula Grady. Yeah. And you did Julie Andrews, which was a knockout impression because you were, you were doing your Aguilera. You were doing your divas, and then suddenly in comes this rather prim and prissy <laughs> Julie Andrews with a perfect English accent. And you mentioned that was an early one. So, what? How did you get your mind around that impression? Julie Andrews always has that sort of round, wholesome sort of very. It's almost no matter what she's singing, it sort of sounds like a lullaby. Right. So I always that if you would ask me how to describe it, that's what I would say, even as a kid. As I got older, she's not one of the celebrities I would listen to a full album of because she wasn't, you know, known for that sort of, you know, she didn't get that sort of airplay. Yeah. And so it was always in the context of those movies. And when you think of those movies, you think of the sound of music, you think of Mary Poppins. I mean, I think of Victor Victoria, but generally <laughs> the masses will think, you know, prim and proper, practically perfect in every way. And it, there's a certain um, posture to that. So when I had to start doing impressions of her, it was always that prim and proper attitude and the way that I carry myself. Because if you don't sort of stand, I, I do the little, um, and I will give credit to Forbidden Broadway here. Forbidden Broadway always says sort of put your hands in that clasped sort of I'm about to sing. I'm about to sing in a choir sort of way. And uh, it's a little bit of a gimmick, but it certainly works, particularly if you're putting a, an impression of Julie Andrews alongside someone polar opposite, like a Christina Aguilera. But the, the, the real truth of this is, and I and I remember we, you, you asked me one of these questions, and I thought, oh, I'm going to be really honest when I answer and say, as someone who didn't know she did impressions growing up, I still was aware of what they were and how they could affect an audience because mm -hmm. I was a massive, massive fan of the the um, long-running show in New York, Forbidden Broadway, that I eventually then was in in New York and in the West End. Yeah. But that show was open before I was born. And so I literally grew up listening to the cast albums. And there were yeah. different cast albums every year. For listeners who don't know, Forbidden Broadway is a very much like Saturday Night Live but with music about Broadway. You know, they spoof Broadway and the West End stars and all of the shows. Yeah. And so then two men and two women play all the characters. And they always said, I remember reading, you know, an audition notice for it, even when I was younger, it was like, you know, impressions, a plus. You know, they didn't rely on impressions. If you were a versatile vocalist, they could work with you. Yeah. But my gosh, some of the impressions on those albums, the Bernadette Peters, the Barbara Streisands, the Julie Andrews. And so I have this memory of singing along to, you know, these impressionists. And I, when I would sing along, I would essentially be doing an impression of the impressionist doing Julie Andrews. You know, when I yeah. learned Liza Minnelli, it was me, it was Christine Petty doing Liza Minnelli, and then I was doing Christine Petty's Liza Minnelli. You know, it's yeah. just sort of the way it grew on me. Yeah. And yeah. so there's that horrendously awful, but at the, at the time, it was quite funny. Forbidden Broadway song, Julie Andrews, instead of singing, I couldn't, I could have danced all night. It's the, I couldn't hit the note. You know, I couldn't hit the note. I couldn't hit the note until they dropped the key. And it's always those. Oh. And so I exaggerate that stuff when I impersonate her. Yeah. And a little bit of that from Forbidden Broadway. And you, you, you know, you, you do steal. If you're going to steal anything, you steal from the best. And that was the iconic Julie Andrews impression. Because you do amazing. try to make it your own and find your own bits. But there are also some keys, some little keys that you can't help but, well, but pick up. You, I was going to ask you about that because I've talked to other you know impressionists uh, on the podcast so far. And we've all admitted to not so much stealing, but getting some a, a steer, getting some hints from the way that other impressionists do their impressions. Absolutely. And you know, as, a, as a kid, you know, I used to listen to the very famous impressionist here from, you know, when I was a, when I was a boy, a guy called Mike Yarwood. And Mike Yarwood somehow used to find these little hooks uh, in celebrities or politicians. And you'd think, ah, yeah, I, I can see what you're doing. And, and everyone's impressions in those days, you know, in, in the playground and at school or, you know, even growing up at, at university, we'd all do our own little versions of things. And actually right. we, we were doing 
him or or you know the impressionist of the day yeah. because you that's where you got your hints so it's not stealing is it no i mean i mean obviously there might be some people that do and that's quite unfortunate but you know you know, rip <laughs> off exactly the way you're doing something but i think that I have happened to have found that when working with impressionists, particularly a lot of the impressionists I've been lucky to work with in the UK, there's such a, a mutual understanding and and respect for it. Because, uh, and I was saying this earlier, in the US, a lot of stand-up comedians do impressions. Like, unless you're on Saturday Night Live, people don't really celebrate impressionists. The only one that I watched on television that was not doing, you know, stand-up comedy was Tracy Ullman, who's always been a massive influence to me. Mm. Um and again, that was the sketch comedy sort of way of doing things. But in the UK, I think maybe because you do so much of it, you you use radio more for shows like Dead Ringers and and uh, with, with with the Impression Show. And my gosh, there's so many other shows that I can think of. You've been on half of them, haven't you? Yeah, but I, have, yeah. but we don't have that in the US. So I think there's a real camaraderie that I found in the UK among Impressionists. And I was lucky to be on this um, short-lived but very very lovely TV show called Impress Me where they flew me out to California because most of the impressionists, again, come out of the comedy or sketch comedy world. And yeah. the big hub of that is California. So I went out there and it was it was like being at camp. It's like I just all of a sudden had the shorthand with all these various impressionists. And it, you can't help but when you see somebody do one, you're like, oh, that's how they do it. Or, oh, that's I never thought of pulling that feature from that person before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of somebody right now. I remember watching um, – great impressionist and now she's now she's on saturday night live but when i first met her she wasn't um, melissa villasenor she's an incredible impressionist and she does a natalie portman impression i remember the first time i saw it i was like what you mean natalie portman can be impersonated like yeah. i had no idea that you could even do that now i've not tried and i've not done her but yeah. if somebody asked me to tomorrow I would go right to Melissa Villasenor's video and I would, yeah. with love and respect, be like, okay, what can I take from this? Because yeah. I didn't hear it. You know, usually there's something in a voice that I can sort of hear and, 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 and immediately go, that's something that I could pull, or like I say, lovingly exaggerate. That's something to focus on. That's a hook. And then you sort of, for me, it's like, you know, I, I live and breathe that person for a very long time. And then I see what else I can pull. If I've watched somebody for years and I never thought of impersonating them and then somebody else comes along and it's a fantastic one. Oh, it's amazing. It's infuriating and amazing. <laughs> it is. It's, well, it, that's the thing, isn't it? It's that kind of either a left field impression or the impression that you as an impressionist think I, I never occurred to me that that was doable. And then you hear someone do it. And you think, ah, of course it is. Yeah, I, I can see what you're at. And I think Alistair McGowan, who I know, you know, Alistair. That was his particular gift that he could just seem to pick out that whatever that little nuance was, whatever that key was to the voice. Mm -hmm. And you suddenly go, ah, yeah, I got it now. <laughs> so, you know, I want let me ask you about I mean, what, what about your own? What about your own left field impressions? Have you come up with impressions that yeah. no one else does? It's pretty funny. I, I didn't think I did. But then a few people have now said to me, I've never heard anyone do so-and-so or so-and-so um the one that gets the most attention that i have it's funny my my little fan base is obsessed with this impression uh, and that's katherine parkinson the british actress i mean the woman has won a bafta but you have to always list her credits when you say her name to audiences it's infuriating for me because i'm like <laughs> you all know her if you yeah. don't know her name you do know her from the warburton's and the maltese's <laughs> efforts and my personal favorite thing about Catherine is that no matter how tense the situation is, her voice still remains about this level of calmness. And perfect. I just think that's great. And so I love it when she yeah. has to, I find a lot of humor in having her read something very aggressive or something very tense because she's always sort of so calm. But that impression came because I was just, you know, I don't do a lot of binge watching, but I remember a period of time when I was home and I was binge watching the, the IT crowd or the it crowd, depending on how you want to say it. Yeah. And, um, I just started doing her. It was one of the first impressions that I didn't really, it sounds terrible to say this, but I really didn't have to work at it. I just opened my mouth and started doing it. And my husband yeah. was like, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, well, I like through osmosis, I just thought of became Catherine and she's one of the few impressions I found it very difficult to turn off. So, <laughs> well, it's, it, a, it's absolutely brilliant. B, I think it illustrates the way that impressionists do work sometimes, that, that osmosis thing where you're, you suddenly acquire 
a voice that you weren't particularly focusing on. And right. suddenly it's there, you think, oh, God, yeah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> it suddenly appears in your mouth. There's a little, there's a little uh, alchemy about that that's quite hard to, dis- you know, to, to, to relate to people who don't do impressions. What's your, I mean, I, I'm guessing that there's no single process for getting to a voice. Mm-hmm. But do you have ways of getting in? Are there things that sort of standard ways that you would use in, in your process to get to a voice? When it comes to a, a vocalist that I know well, it's immediately easier. And I, I'm using singers in this because if I know their sound very well, then it, it puts me at an advantage a little bit because I already know how they sing certain songs. I can play them. I can try to play around to get those sounds. I find doing a lot of the speaking impressions, particularly um, when you from hire to do voice work, like I've done some voice work for RuPaul's Drag Race. And so sometimes they throw names at you and you're like, I've never tried to do that person before. And, you know, when it's somebody that you've never thought of or haven't tried, and as long as they fit my voice, as long as it's yeah. not somebody too, too deep voice, I have sort of a mid-range voice there or too raspy, I have a very clear voice. I would love to do a Tina Turner impression, but I'd also like to have a career. So um, you're not going to hear me trying. <laughs> that's, a, that's the end of the vocal cords, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always have a thing, just because you can doesn't mean you should also. Like, I can do her when I'm sick, but is it worth it? Moving on. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> Moving on. And I, it's funny because I was listening back to one of your previous episodes and I have the same process as your first guest because I I listen to that person relentlessly. Like I said, if it's someone I already know, you feel like you've got a little bit of an edge because you know what they're going to do almost before they do it vocally. When it comes to a lot of these new TV stars or reality stars or hosts and all that, I find yeah. that very difficult because I don't have the wealth of information to go back to. So I will record audio of them. And listen to them nonstop while I'm in the kitchen, while I'm walking down the street, while I'm on the subway, when I'm flying. So I sort of try to understand that person's voice, the ins and outs of it. Because unless you're doing an exact copy of something that they've said, there's a lot of um, guesswork. You know, how would they say this? How would they sing this? And particularly, that's what I find so much fun with vocalists that I'm comfortable with. I get to play with it more. But it's really nerve-wracking. So I start with trying to really get their voice like really understand the ins and outs of ins and outs of it and their vocal patterns. You know, how, how do they speak? Do they stop? Do they start? Do they go up or do they go down? I mean, those things are just as important as the tone because you can sound like somebody uh, in the way that you're placing and, and phonating. But if you're not doing their isms, if you're not doing their pattern, yeah. something yeah. that makes them recognizable, then it's, it's kind of pointless. Mm. So I do that. And it's, as you know, it's, it's, oh God, you make funny noises and you make funny faces. Sometimes it is holding my face in a certain way. I remember when I was working on Kira Knightley, I realized that the only way that I could do Kira is if I actually held my chin so tight that I almost didn't move it. <laughs> and then I went back and I watched her and I was, you know what? She has a beauty, she's stunning. And she has this prominent chin. So it's funny. Someone said, oh, I love the way you stick your chin out to do Kira because you look like her. And I was like, well, one, you're out of your mind. But two, no, I wasn't even thinking of it in a yeah. presentational way. I was thinking of it in a selfish, I need to get the voice out this way. Uh, <laughs> do, do, I mean, that's interesting. Do you, so do you think you uh, unconsciously mimicked her facial, you know, slant her, you know, the way she, the way her jaw, her jaw goes forward, in order to create the sound that comes out of her mouth. Is that, well, is that something? Kind of a, that's yeah. kind of a weird one there. I mean, I do, I, I do believe impressions should be full bodied. I do believe that um, once you do get the voice, then yeah. the physicality has to come next. I think it helps you, even if you're not being seen, even if you're, you know, just doing it in a recording studio, yeah. there's no way that getting into the physicality cannot help an impression. And particularly because I love doing mostly live performances, it's imperative. I don't get dressed up in wigs and costumes. I do for fun my little home videos sometimes, but on stage, I never do that. And so if I'm going to try to be someone like Celine Dion, four foot 11 curvy Christina is not going to (laughs) embody that nice, you know, but to call it the little, um, she's like an entire like beanpole. She's so, so tall and skinny. And it's like, how can I elongate myself? How can I do this? And so I do find myself copying as much physicality and working on facial expressions absolutely to match them. Mm. I mean, if I do Wanda Sykes, I, 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 you know, I make my face real tight and real small. I make it really small and I scrunch up my face because she yeah. typically has that furrowed brow. Yeah. Um, 
if I do Adina Menzel. Adina Menzel, to me, you can't see my face right now, listeners, but she always looks like she's just seen something extraordinarily surprising in front of her. And so it's a little bit tragic and a little bit exhilarating at the same time. And it's like, if you give her those kind of crazy eyes, no matter what she does, it always helps. It's like, I just yeah. can't do the yeah. impression now without also bulging my eyes out like a crazy person. But I do think, think that some of it, yeah, I mean, the, the Kira Knightley one I mentioned, because it was one where I went, I didn't do that on purpose. It's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it to look like her. I did yeah. it because it felt right. And I, yeah, it's funny the way you morph into them. I was watching a, a video of myself doing um, Jennifer Saunders on AbFab. And uh, I, I look nothing like any of these people, but I did it. I, I was editing a video and I paused it and I looked yeah. up and I was like, gosh, darn it. I actually am making a real, like, I almost look like her there. And it's funny because, you know, when I, when I listen back to my impressions, I'm brutal. I mean, I, I hear myself doing them. Yeah. You know, I don't, it's very hard to separate it. To me, they're never quite good enough because I always hear myself in there. Yeah. But uh, sometimes there's a bit of a surprise. Like when I caught myself in that shot, I thought, well, you really, you really contorted your face and kind of looked like her there. And it, yeah. again, I didn't, I didn't practice in a mirror for hours. It's, yeah. uh, it's exciting when you sort of actually morph into them a well, little bit. You, you can't say Jennifer, Jennifer Saunders, you can't say Jennifer Saunders without giving us a quick Burst of Jennifer's. Darling, I'm talking to you now. It's only eleven thirty, and I just want some body, darling. You know, just a little, just a little bit of body, darling. That's all I'm asking for, sweetie. Just a little bit. Well, I, I can vouch for our, to our listeners. I can vouch that you made the face there and <laughs> sent it's, 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 What it is, yeah. darling, is it's also like the, the, the shoulder, sweetie. It's the shoulder, shoulder darling. Yeah. The constant movement, sweetie. You know, it's like you need some clunking jewelry as well to sort of go with the little things that she wears. And well, that's, that, that's yeah. like, again, if you could give me a costume for that one, oh my God, forget it. It's, it's, yeah. you, you need some bubbles <laughs> to do her. You can't, you can't do her with nothing on. You know, you need some gadgets. For things. sure. Look, look, it's interesting. You mentioned uh, pitch just now, and 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 you know where your where you feel that your voice sits in the sort of in the great scheme of things. Um, and it's one of the conversations I've had a few times so far about my my natural voice is you know, a little bit deep which means you know i, I can you know, morgan freeman i can do it all day long <laughs> you know but i can't you know uh, woody allen you see i, I struggle you know, it's really difficult for me you know because for me that feels like it's that's it's, the top of your range it's, it's right at the top of my range and yet uh, one of one of my guests uh, darren altman did woody allen He's got a similar pitch to me, and he just, you know, I can't believe it. I'm shocked, you know. Yeah, and he still made it work. Do you find that there's a there's an element of fakery, if you like, but because what you're doing is you're selling your version uh, to to your audience. Uh, are there voices that you feel that you do? And you and we'll come back because you mentioned you can always hear your own voice, yeah. uh, and I want to talk about that. Um, but are there impressions that you're doing where you're thinking I'm I'm getting away with this a little bit? You know, this always. is always. <laughs> of course, I can't think of any right now, but I always think of that. Um, I, for for a while, um, everybody was when my YouTube videos went viral and everybody wanted me on TV shows and radio shows. They'd always be like, you know, how many impressions do you do? And it's like, I don't even count. I mean, I've had to count. It's it's well over at this point with, if you do like every Disney character and person on a sitcom or whatever, I mean, it's, it's like well over 200 or whatever. But a lot of those are what I call sort of like the one line impressions. Like you don't need to do much more than, than one little bit. I, mean, I, I can't, gosh, putting on the spot, I can't think of so many examples, but, um, yeah, that there are a few where I know I will come to me as I'm saying this. I'm sure I always call it. Oh, it's a cheap impression. It's cheap, meaning <laughs> I've got that one thing I know is going to make them laugh, yeah. and it might it's worth it in this instance because it's or you're placing it in a show or a bit or a piece. But um, yeah, there's a little bit when people started asking me how many impressions I was doing, and then of course everybody wants you to do all of them. When I was putting shows together, particularly for things like oh god, I mean when I went went to Edinburgh, I'm such I, I've been to Edinburgh, performed there three times now, four times now, and uh, I still feel totally green because I'm always so not with it. No. Like even how you put the posters together, I'm like really. You really want to put all that crap on the poster? It looks so obnoxious. It looks so whatever. Like, it's not the way I would normally do things. Yeah. It's like, look at me. Look at all my rays. Look at all my stars. Look, at I'm doing a 70,000 impressions <laughs> in one show. And if I'm not doing it, then the other person might do 70,000 in one. So, oh, my yeah. God. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do what I, what I like to say. 
quality over quantity. Mm. And so if it fits my show and I like the impression, it goes in. I'm not going to try to cram in the other ones, even if they are fan favorites, because sometimes it doesn't fit. You know, yeah. you try to have variety. Otherwise, they're watching the exact same thing every time. Mm. Um, and so, But there are a few that you just know, like, oh, a, I, call, I call it the cheap impression. What is my cheap impression? My God. There are a few. It's going to come to me. It's going to come to me. Because I, I, there are always ones where I'm like, well, I don't really do that person, but I can yeah. do this. I, say, I think all impressionists have those little bits that they, do, they can do where they can sell the impression yeah. to the audience. But you, you kind of deep down, you're thinking, I haven't got much more than that. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind <laughs> exactly. of... That's my limit. And and also there are, I, I have impressions that I well, used to do, for example, there's a, a, I don't know how, if you know Michael McIntyre, um, who, so he's a, you know, probably the most successful British comic uh, uh, right now. And uh, I can't really do him. But what I can do is just a little bit, <laughs> I, you know, I, that's all. The, and that is kind of enough for people to think, yeah, you, oh, you're really good. You're and really particularly, good at and particularly yeah. if you, place it somewhere if you're doing a multiple voices at once then just flipping up into that register and doing that that sound with that excitement and with the hand gesture it's, it helps build a bit that you're doing in which case it's perfect it's, it might it might be as i say it might be cheap on its own but in conjunction it makes something better and that's exactly. that's that's where i let myself get away with those impressions <laughs> well i'll tell you what i would like to i want to talk to you about edinburgh in a, in a second but we, we, we did just touch on something uh, earlier on where you, you said that you can kind of always hear yourself. And I, my, my theory about Impressionists is that, it, you know, we've probably all got 10 great, absolutely great impressions where almost if you heard yourself and, you, you know, you could almost say, Do you know what, I, I cannot well, hear sure, my. Yeah. 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 And then you've got about 50 that you do really well. Uh, but all the time you're thinking, ah, shit, I, no, no, I can hear me, you know, something slipped there. Something I am hit. agreeing with you completely right yeah. now. <laughs> um, and then, of course, you've got the, the, the cheap ones where we get away with it. What's your take on that? I mean, do you ever get to the point where you, because you, you've got loads of videos on YouTube and I've watched most of them. And to me, you pro you probably have like, you know, and I've got quite a finely tuned ear as an impressionist. You got like a ninety-five percent hit rate of perfection. To oh, me, oh wow! See, well, thank you. I disagree, but thank you. Are there impressions that you do that you just think, no, that's just just Christina. I I can't hear that voice, but yet the audience is is going bonkers. Yeah, I, again, it's hard for me to. I don't know why I'm being so useless, and I can't think of somebody on the spot <laughs> right now. But uh, yeah, I. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, there's one thing I'm thinking of now and it's, it's the other side of what you're saying. It was one of the few times in my life that I heard myself and didn't know it was me. So that I can tell you. And it, it comes out of an impression I don't actually think I do that well. And that's Dolly Parton. My Dolly Parton impression. Yes, I, I did always hear myself in it because I don't like Dolly Parton the way I hear it in my head. I don't like it when I'm singing it in a room without a microphone. The only way I have liked my Dolly Parton is hearing it played back from the audience's perspective with, and I will admit to this because I think it's the only way I sound like her, with that nice little bit of reverb on the mic, that little bit of wetness. My voice yeah. is innately deeper than Dolly's. My vibrato is slower. It's really hard to do her. And even right now, I'll hate this. If I listen to this back, I will be like, why'd you do this? But <laughs> if I was going to sing, and I will always love you, that's my voice. I was going to do Dolly, I'd immediately want to raise the key <laughs> and I would have to speed up my vibrato and make it whispery. And that whispery quality to me is only picked up with a little bit of reverb, but yeah. So I, I know I'm getting the bits of it, but I don't hear her. I hear me changing my voice around. Right. And is, but is that, is that because you're so conscious of the, the mechanics of that, that you, you're, well, you've lost sight of what you're actually producing? Because to me, that sounded like Dolly Parton. So, well, that's right. No, I just, yeah. I know it's, it's interesting because it took me, it took me, um, I recorded something for RuPaul's Drag Race and they aired it like a year later. So I had completely forgotten yeah. what I did in the studio. Yeah. And a commercial came on and I heard this, I saw this drag queen <laughs> come out as Dolly yeah. Parton and say, well, hi, Ruth. And I was like, oh, that's a really good Dolly Parton. That's me. 
And I literally was <laughs> impressed with my own impression. And right. I once smacked myself and thought, never do that again. But I was also happy because I thought my dolly had been rubbish that day. <laughs> um, right. But I think we are, I think we, I don't think we can help but hear ourselves. I think it helps you to grow as well. Because I remember there's a video of me doing Shirley Bassey singing Goldfinger on YouTube that I have, I threatened to delete at least once a month because I think it is absolute rubbish. Yeah. It was one of the first times I ever did it. I was proud of myself for trying. The audience loved it. So I posted it. And of course, cut to even six months later, I was like, oh man, I do it so much better now. Yeah. Years later, now I do her in a completely different way. I do all the, I do more of the mannerisms while I do it. I do it, at, um, of course, put it out of the side of my mouth, you know? So, you know, it's like I do all that stuff. It's not there. And the fact that that's represented makes me furious. When I listen to it now, I almost only hear me. That's also because I've changed the way I've done it. So it's, it's tricky, but I do think it gives us a healthy, you know, a healthy little smack sometimes. It's sure like, thing. don't get well, too cocky because yeah. that's when there, there is, in fact, I think it was, um, we were talking earlier off the recording about the wonderful Jim Meskimen, a great impressionist. Yeah. And I was, I was working with Jim on that, that show impressed me. And, uh, he said, I remember him saying, oh, I, I, I don't like doing, um, when I do too much who was it? It might have been Robin Williams. When I do Robin Williams too long, I it start to think it's me. <laughs> yeah. And I said, in which way? That you're going crazy or that you hear yourself? He said, a little bit of both. And yeah. I think that that's it. I just think that it's it's difficult to separate yourself from it and still stay in tune. I mean, the more comfortable you are with an impression, the more likely you are to I was going to say almost slip into yourself, even though yeah. you think you, even though you think that, oh, if you're better with it, you'll be, but I, th I think when you start putting too much of yourself into an impression or it becomes too much of your take on that person mm. and not that person, I think it's, I think it's important to always go back to the source every once in a while. And I wonder whether it's, you know, as we get older, our voices change. So have you found that, that something you've had to contend with or has it lent you more range, you know, with impressions? Because you do a brilliant share. Oh, and, see, now, now yeah. uh, that is exactly what we should be talking about. I think share yeah. is my worst, most cheap impression. I can't no. believe you just said it. I think drag queens and men do far better share than I do because <laughs> I don't have that deep of a voice. And, you know, even, my gosh, the phenomenal impression of Cher that Stephanie J. Block just did in the, the Cher show musical. She won a Tony for it. She naturally has that, like, that deep voice. And she, everyone can speak as Cher. I cannot speak as Cher. I can't lower my larynx enough to do it. So if you want me to sing as Cher, okay, it's a little bit easier because I can support it. I can place it higher. If I could turn back time. You get that little, like, oh, shaking your voice. You know, that old, old yeah. grace joke. Oh. Yeah. And I can do it, and I call that my cheap impression that I throw in. And I typically throw it in uh, next to somebody like Kristen Chenoweth, who's very high. So the one if I switch yeah. to, oh, it's more impressive. Yeah, and I know that, that it needs to be included because she's so popular. But I have about four things I can do with that impression, which is why you never hear me talk as Cher. Well, so you've made my day again. I'm sorry to, to break your heart, but I do think that is my worst and cheapest impression. You, you, <laughs> I, I'm thoroughly disillusioned now because I love it. Um, let's, and, and, and also someone like Shirley Bassey. Again, it's a kind of a very rich, I don't want to call it a bass voice, but it's a very rich, rounded sound. So how I are you manufacturing that? I find that easier because even though it's a rich sound, it's not low. Like Cher's vocal range is quite low. Her highest mm. note is mid-range for me. Bassie has always been a very high belter. Yeah. And the part of my voice that's like Celine Dion, you know, that sort of nasality, uh, definitely forward in the mask. I've always had a big belt, a very big wide belt. There's a, a country music singer named Martina McBride. And people used to say that I sounded like Martina McBride. If you play Martina McBride and you play Celine Dion, the two of them sound nothing alike. But I always say if you put those two voices together, you've got mine. Yeah. So that more throaty quality, I call it the big Broadway belt. Judy Garland has that big Broadway belt as well. Yeah. So Judy Garland and Shirley Bassey, that's funny. I ch tend to not put them next to each other during bits because I, I actually give them similar placement. And they could almost okay. sound alike. I stopped doing uh, a lot of Lady Gaga because Lady Gaga's natural, you know, unsynthesized, not ba 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 boca face, none of that stuff. Her natural singing voice is not that quirky. It's not that dissimilar to mine. Yeah. So if I'm singing like her, someone would be like, oh, it just sounds like Christina. So you have to use it in the right place or like I said, or, or put it within a bit where the voice is surrounding it, then bring out the uniqueness of like yeah. the piano driven Lady Gaga ballad. I think uh, Whitney Houston 
is a really, really difficult one for me. And I've done it. Thankfully, I'm, I'm patting myself on the back. I've learned to do it more successfully as I'm getting older, mm. you know, just how to place it. But her and Shirley Bassey both have this back of the throat. And I will like, don't want to break the mic, but like, ah! it's that sort of, hey, I'm talking as if I was, was going to speak in the voice that I'm singing. It's somewhere over here, you know, yeah, it's yeah. that gold finger, which is the same as, it's like that back of the throat sort of. It's open and it's round, even if you're singing an er sound. Like I, yeah. I always try to keep it as, as open and broad as possible. And that it's difficult to do, but it's safe because it's open. Whereas if I'm doing somebody like um even Liza Minnelli, like Liza Minnelli, everybody loves my Liza Minnelli. And I don't I know people that do far better Liza Minnellis than myself, like like the great Christine Petty. But I tend to get a lot of laughs because it's the whole package. It's the the dancing, the persona. And I have to be so careful when I do it, though, because I don't have a recipe voice. But what I do have is the ability to emphasize all the other things that she does. So she goes up, she goes down. She has the T's and the D's and the S's and the laugh. <laughs> but let me tell you, you're just terrific. You know that I love you so much. So when I sing as her, I put on this thing. I'm, I'm covering my voice. So it's got a little more like fake it sounds a little more covered, like, but I'm doing it all in a way where if I do it for too long or at the end of a show, it yeah. could totally tear my voice up. So I place her. I always put my impression of Liza somewhere safe. Whereas yeah, afterwards, yeah. there's maybe a number of my own voice. I call it hitting the reset button. And yeah. I've always found that important in, in my live performances, not just for vocal health and not for ego, but for the audience. I think the audience really appreciates what I'm doing with impressions more if they are reminded of what my own voice sounds like. And I think yeah. that was something I had to learn too, thinking about shows like Edinburgh where you have to cram in. I mean, it's just ridiculous to be like, do an entire show in about 45 minutes. Yeah. It's so difficult to do a well-rounded piece in that time. And particularly if you're trying to do things like put in different impressions for different audience members because you have such a wide range of people. For sure. Ah. And so that's when I was like, okay, I have to put me in for health reasons, so they can get a good balance and understanding of, of what I'm doing with my voice, and also so I don't kill myself, you know, doing Liza yeah. Minnelli. So, you you <laughs> do. Uh, I, I'm going to try and tempt you into doing your, your Aguilera because it's <laughs> it's uh, fairly uh, it's extraordinary. Loud for you, I'm going to break <laughs> the mic. Okay. It's so it's such a powerful impression because, and this this is one of the things I wanted to mention to you that. If you can do the runs and the twirls and the twitches and uh, the vibrato that she can do, then you're as good a singer as her. And people think she's a, an absolutely brilliant singer. I certainly do. I think she's extraordinary. And yet you're finding all of those ticks and, and as I say, the runs that you do. So I, I need them to work. I'm not a natural riffer, so I work very hard at, at trying to get those right. So thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. So I, I, I'd love to tempt you into giving us a little, <laughs> a little first. Sure, but what should she sing? See, oh, I, it's very oh. funny that you said that. Yeah, on on um the ITV show, The Imitation Game, yeah. I gave them all of these Brits that I wanted to do because I knew I was the only American on the program. And I was so excited to be there. And I gave all these great suggestions. And they said, we want you to do Christina Aguilera. And at first, my heart sunk. I was like, fine, yeah, have the American Christina do the American Christina. Like, it's yeah. not that difficult, you know. But um, I ended up being so thrilled by it because everybody loved it so much. And it is fun to wail with a band behind you. <laughs> so, so now I don't, I don't, um, I'll never shrink at the chance to do Aguilera. But yeah, what should she sing? I always find humor in her singing something highly inappropriate, something yeah. that she shouldn't do. And uh, like we did on that show, it was it was uh, Aguilera singing Spoonful of Sugar. Yeah. Uh, so let's do another Julie Andrews. I used to do this one years ago. See if I remember it. Uh, finding a good key. <clears throat> apologies to the neighbors. Apologies to the neighbors. Oh, wait, no one's here. They've all gone to their summer homes. <laughs> okay, here we go. <clears throat> When a bee stings, when I'm when I'm feeling sad, I simply remember my favorite things, and then I don't feel so bad. 
<laughs> it's absolutely brilliant, Christina. That, that you know, if 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 I wasn't watching you, I'd say, well, Aguilera is in the room. So there we are. <laughs> oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> and also oh, the yeah. the other one that I, I mean, you, you do so many. Uh, I loved your Shakira. I'm glad you brought that one up. I used to do a lot more Shakira, and then everybody started doing Shakira. I think yeah. everybody sort of found the click to be like that, no, 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 no. and then I felt like it was about a cheap impression for me to do. So I stopped yeah. doing it, but but I actually love the way Shakira sings and holds notes because it's always got that very abrasive <laughs> vibrato, no matter what she's doing. Yeah. So if she was singing, oh my God, I can't, I can't think of anything now. If she was singing Mary Had a Little Lamb, the way that I would orchestrate it with a band would be that like, Mary Had a Little Lamb, that sort of short little dancey salsa thing. Yeah. But yeah. the way I would like it is if it was a piano ballad. Mary Had a Little Lamb, Little Lamb, Little Lamb. I love the way she holds notes. Nobody seems to uh, giggle at that version. They like the hips we're feeling. So that, that does tend to happen. Is everybody then picks up on an impression, and you think, well, I, you know, I, I kind of was first with that, and I, don't, I can think of a couple that I used to do back in the day, and I thought, I'm going to ask you about that. Yeah. So, sorry, because I'm asking you a question, so I'm asking you a question. Sure, sure. Because um, you pointed out, you know, like do you you see an you see some another impressionist do an impression, and you go, oh yeah. my god, how do they do that? Well, I was doing an impression just for friends and in this little off-Broadway show called Musical, I was doing an impression of the cast of Friends and I was doing the women on the show. <laughs> and I always thought that I had like a decent, not great Jennifer Aniston. And I did this whole thing where it was like, you know, particularly as Rachel on Friends, the whole thing is that she's surprised about everything. Yeah. No matter what it is, she's like, wow, oh gosh, okay, hey, wow, oh. It's always that like shock factor. And it never really got a, a response it could be because the sketch wasn't particularly funny it could be that you know the way it was presented or just that I didn't have ownership of it because at the time I didn't think it was that good so maybe I was doing it poorly but I was watching Saturday Night Live and one of the women on that show who's not really an impressionist she was doing a Jennifer Aniston impression and it everybody sent it to me the next day everyone was like oh my god isn't this the funniest thing isn't this impression great and I watched it and I was like well, that's what I've been doing, and I don't actually think this is that great an impression, and now I feel like I should focus on my Jennifer Aniston more. And it sounds terrible, but yeah. not being impressed with somebody else's impression, it sounds yeah. so awful, but it's true, gave me, I was like, you get out there, don't be so hard on yourself, try it again. And now it's one of the impressions that everybody requests all the time that I do, and I'm like known yeah. for doing a Jennifer Aniston impression. Yeah. And it's so funny that it's my dog chiming in. That's uh, fine. Came <laughs> I was going to say that's a great impression of a dog. Uh, and then I, that, <laughs> I, I'm, that, I'm just that good. I'm just that good. Uh, but it, it came from like a negative place, which it usually yeah. I, you wouldn't, usually wouldn't do that. But because in this day and age, everybody sends stuff to you. I felt so bombarded that I felt like, are you attacking me? Are you telling me I should do this or what? And I didn't really know that I watched the clip and I was like, yeah, but I, I, I was kind of doing that, but I was doing it what I, uh, and so it, it did motivate me. So yeah. sometimes seeing an impression, it, it, you know, it, it, I, I definitely do it my own way. I didn't steal a bit from the way that she did it, yeah. but it definitely inspired me to do more with it. And that was the, the first and only time I ever did that. And I was like, oh man, like a, another, I don't know. So has that happened to you where you've seen something and been like, but I think I can I, nail that more I, I used to be on it well i used to be on dead ringers and and i've had this conversation with lewis mcleod who's now on it and been on uh, countless series of it i only did the first series but it's quite a competitive environment and what would happen is that you know the producer would say you know who can do this voice we've got a sketch that's in who can do it and you know three of us three male impressionists would put our hands up and then we'd have a we'd have a voice off and, oh, man. you know, what would happen in that situation is that I never got the voice. And and I oh. know, I know that I could do some of those voices better than the other guys were. And of course, they could do some of the voices better than me. And I felt that I was just getting a little bit overlooked. You mentioned the sort of competitiveness of, of that, where you think, I hang on, you know, I know I can do yeah. that. It was and the first I, time I felt that and I felt yeah. guilty, but that it led to something good. So it was a weird yeah. situation for me. I, I, in my case, it led to bitterness. Oh no! <laughs> so See, it helped. I was not. I'm not in, in contact with the person, so it wasn't personal like that. But yeah, yeah I can imagine that'd be yeah. very difficult. It was a very tough environment for me. But that, I mean, that's moving on from there. Let's quickly talk about 
Edinburgh because you mentioned that because we are coming to the end of our time, sadly. Edinburgh, which I've done four shows in Edinburgh, uh, three solo shows and, and one show with um, in a, a sketch duo with a, a, a comedian. And I hated every single solitary second <laughs> of every Edinburgh that I ever went but to. Tell me a... how you really feel, Simon. <laughs> well, I, I love going to Edinburgh as a spectator, uh, as a, you know, as a fan. It's one of my favourite things to do. But as a performer, I found it completely soul-destroying. Now, you went there in 2016? So my first yeah, the first time I did it, I did a, a, a duo show with a friend. We really were just into in it to have fun and see what happened. And it was right after my YouTube videos went viral and right before I was going to do Forbidden Broadway. And I think because of that and the popularity of my co-star at the time, Velma Shelley, that the show just took off and we were sold out pretty much every night. We were like this very under-promoted you know, didn't have anybody reaching out to the the reviewers or the awards. We weren't in the click yet, but we had a very successful show. And uh, that was interesting. It was shared, though. I also did, but I did get the flu for about two weeks of that month. I had a, a sorry, gross. There was a bucket off stage. I mean, I don't know how I did it. It was, it was, but I was distracted. I wasn't carrying the ship by myself and I was distracted because I was learning Forbidden Broadway and I was ill. <laughs> I also had a stalker at the time, which was added fun to my fringe experience. But the next year, when I went back, I went back for two weeks and I played a larger venue and I immediately, and it was a solo act. And, um, I immediately felt the difference, like the, the, the pressure. And, yeah. and I didn't like how you were pit against others. Like, well, if you're doing the same thing someone else is doing, like, why should I see your show over there? It's like, because we're all different. And it's like, why would you go see any any musical over another musical world. And it, it really ticked me off because I, uh, because I don't see myself as just a concert performer because I happen to also do acting and theater and, 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 and just sing in general without the construct of a cabaret, just, you know, as a singer. I don't think I was prepared for it this world to be so competitive because yeah. it, you know I, I guess i guess also because you know the, the acting world you know you're always auditioning for roles and whatever i didn't think i had to fight at a place where you know people were spending you know 10 to 15 dollars for a ticket and we're all intense like it left a mm, taste in my mouth and yeah. i wasn't sure i yeah. wanted to go back even though i had a successful show and it was fine yeah. it was the surrounding stuff i didn't enjoy well, i likened it to um you know it's your it's you're having a party uh, every night and you're just waiting for anyone to bloody well turn up you know and you you and it doesn't matter how many invites you send out and how many people you you know you think you're entertaining uh, on the street to to entice them to come you just don't know and some nights you well i, I mean you know i had a few nights where you're just playing to five people i mean you know i had yeah. some sold out sold out evenings as well which were great and you suddenly think god if it's only it was like this every night right but it's that pressure isn't it that everybody's doing what you're doing they're all putting on shows they're all they're all kind of jostling for attention yeah uh, then you get some shows that somehow catch the zeitgeist or the you know the reviewers right. love them and you think I'm still putting out a great show here and no one's taking any notice. Yeah. It's it's a really tough environment, particularly if you've been quite successful in, you know, your 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 life outside of well, that's, and that's what I, I, you know, it's so funny because I knew that coming into it, like I, I have a, a bit of a following and a bit of a name, but I'm mm. not a star. I'm not a celebrity and I'm also not an Edinburgh fringer like I'm not I don't have my fringe audience that knows I'm going to be there every year. Yeah. So I'm always starting from scratch when I go. And this year when I went and I was doing the full run and it was the launch of my UK tour and you know, it's, it's, you know, small tour, smallish, you know, venues, but we do lovely. And, and so I thought, oh, this would be great. The last time I played, I couldn't get any press in because I only played two weeks and the, yeah. the viewers are like, we're not going to focus time and give a lot of yeah. energy to somebody who's coming in for two weeks. And fair enough. So this time I was like, great, I'll get everybody in. I worked so hard because, you know, most of the press these days is answer these 14 questions. So I'm basically yes. writing 14 essays uh, a day. Yeah. It's like you're doing all the work and somebody prints. And who really these days is reading those print articles? So you're giving people yeah. content. They're not really reading it. And mm. I just was so lucky that people were coming. Most most shows were sold out. We were very, very lucky. 
Um, but I'm also, that's when I'm relentless on social media with my, my own promotion, my own little videos. It's exhausting. Like I said, I don't perform with wigs in my shows, but I do them for videos to catch attention. They get to have a little more fun. All those yeah. things, very helpful. But I just felt like I was working so hard on the stage, off the stage. And I didn't, and I will, I will attest to this. I'm very lucky. I didn't personally go out and fly or, or anything like lots of people do. Mm. So I know that I'm lucky and people are like, oh, shut up, Christina. But when you're doing all that and then you get no I think I got like two reviews. Yeah. It's like you're working so hard. I know. All yeah. I wanted to do was just be taken seriously uh, and, and have a show that I was proud of and about to take on the road to get some feedback. And I got like two reviews and I was furious. Yeah. And I said, well, how, yeah. come, how come we can't do that? How come we can't? And why am I not even – not that I – I don't know anything about the, the awards and the programs. I know nothing yeah. about that stuff. But how – whose click do you have to be in to even yeah. be – yeah. For those things, and then I very quickly decided I don't care. If you don't want to, yeah. you don't want to diminish somebody else's. You don't want to like then be like, oh, I don't care about that, and then crap yeah. all over somebody else who's really pleased. Yeah. So I just felt I found that it was lovely as a spectator, like you said. I think it's a wonderful thing, but it's just it's so much work that it took the love out of it for me. It, yeah, well, I, I hear you, and you know, it, I completely share that experience with you, and it's. Uh, Thank God I don't have to do that ever again. Um, <laughs> oh, you, you mentioned uh, we, we, we are coming to the end, and, and I just wanted to mention to our listeners, you have got a, a terrific website, and you've got loads of videos on uh, YouTube and, and beyond. Uh, I urge our listeners to make an impression to go and watch any one of those. They will entertain you and blow you away at the same okay. time. So it's been a, a real joy talking to you today, Christina. And it's obviously, we talk at at a, a time when uh, we're all kind of uh, penned into our our houses and can't really yeah. get out and do much but hopefully there will be better times ahead doing stuff yeah. like this makes it much easier so well, thank you so much absolutely I'm, i had a ball today so thank you so much and uh so thank you to christina and thank you to all our listeners and this has been making an impression until next time bye-bye